Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today for you, uh, we've got uh, our two returning champions. We've got former Weber State coach Tom Stackerock joining us. Tom, how was last week, man? I mean, we we got we got we were wrong about NAU. We believed in them when we shouldn't have. It was all right. It was all right. The good thing is, is the, uh, you know, the Blue Bombers are back in the Craig, the Grey Cup on Sunday. So I know you guys will all be watching the Grey Cup on Sunday. You watch, okay, Grey Cup Sunday. I'll watch it, dude. Is it going to be on ESPN? Yes. It'll be on somewhere. You just keep yeah, quiet. It. No, it'll be on, on TSN. 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 Okay. Watch it. It's exciting, okay. man. Yeah, I'll, I'll go watch it, man. If it's like go on ahead YouTube. Treat yourself. I go, okay, I'll treat myself to the Canadian Super Bowl, folks. If you don't know what the Grey Cup is, that's what it is. <laughs> So we're going to check that out on Sunday. Uh, also returning, we've got the Signpost's own Simon Mortensen. Simon, you're getting to the end, man. We're getting close. I know we talk about it each week, but every single week. I mean, you get a little break next week, right? Because Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Get to take some time off and just relax a little bit. Or maybe get caught up, depending on how things have been going for you. You know, it's like, it's not a caught up thing. Like, I've been killing it as far as getting my stuff in and everything like that. But Good man, man you, get, you get to some of it. And it's just like... I, yeah, I'm so excited for my two days. I don't even care that it's just two days. Like, I just want to, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what I do with it. I, I need that time. Yeah, I can't wait. Right. Also joining us for the, not for the first time ever on Weber State Weekly, because we've talked to him in the past, but this is the first time this season and the first time on the game day show, I believe. We've got former DB Mitch Tulane also joining us to, uh, for this one. Mitch, how are you doing, man? Glad to have you back on Weber State Weekly. Yeah, doing good. I'm glad to be here. Ready to talk some Wildcat football. Yeah, man. Uh, if you remember, we had Mitch on at the be- be very beginning of the spring season. We did like a post. That was a whole thing. We were yeah. at the Shepherd Union and like the people there were pissed off because we, <laughs> we were late and they were trying to close the building. And they're like, you guys have to leave. And like, we're literally live. And we're like, no, 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 we can't leave. Like, we're seriously yeah. in the middle of broadcasting. Yeah, I got some yeah, good times. Time. Yeah, good times. All right. So let's talk a little bit about today's show. Um, we're going to talk about, of course, like we always we talk about last week's game a little bit. Give these guys some time to chat about how things went against Idaho State on senior day. Then we will look forward to today's game at Northern Arizona up in Flagstaff. Um, going to be an interesting one. If you followed Weber State football recently or I mean, even the last 10 years, you know, weird things happen in Flagstaff. And so we'll see uh, what that might mean for today. Then we'll take our traditional fly around the sky. We'll look at the the remainder of the regular season. After this week, we will move into playoff selection show and we'll find out if the Wildcats make their way into the playoffs and if so, where. But before we get into all that, I want to encourage everyone, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tell your friends about it. We really appreciate those who have been sharing the love on social media, letting folks know about Weber State Weekly and the good things we're trying to do, highlighting Wildcat sports, not just football, but also volleyball. And soon we'll be starting up with our hoops shows. But um, really appreciate the folks that have been talking about us on social media, doing that word of mouth, spreading the, the, the good word about Weber State Weekly. Also on social media ourselves, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all good places to find us. Um, Uh, People are saying that Twitter's not going to be around anymore. I hope not because we have a good time, man. I mean, our Twitter account, we have a really good time over there, especially we've been making friends lately with the uh, student section up there at Idaho State. We've been getting chummy with those guys, which is kind of weird, but that's that's the kind of thing that Twitter does for you. We're also on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Become a patron and support us. Really appreciate our patrons. Thank you guys so much. but like, like I say every single week, we really could not do it. You folks are the ones that keep the lights on here at Weber State Weekly. So thank you for helping us out so that we have 
the opportunity to do this every single week. So guys, let's talk a little bit about last week. Um, Obviously, senior day, rivalry game. I'm going to air quotes that rivalry game against uh, Idaho State. Um, And so wanted to give you guys an opportunity to kind of just say, what did you think overall? So Tom, I want to start with you, man. Just initial thoughts on how things went against the Stripes on Saturday. Well, I think, you know, after coming, coming off those big type of games that we played and then coming to play in Idaho State, I thought, I thought Coach Hill did a good job of getting those guys ready to play, getting them excited to play. And it might seem like a little thing, but it's a, it's a really big thing. And I know we're going to talk about NAU, but I went back and watched that game. And so NAU, they go down and they drive the ball. They get to about the four-yard line. And Martinez, they just do a quarterback sneak about three yards out. And the O-line drives the defense of Northern Colorado's defensive line into the end zone. Martinez basically on a quarterback sneak just walks in. He walks in and he's standing at the back of the end zone and he's standing there. The offensive line and all the offensive players are just inside the goal line. And they all just start walking back to the bench. And Martinez is standing there like, hey, guys, I just scored. (laughs) Get get excited, right? And they're all walking back. And then Martinez runs in front of them out to the five-yard line and tries to give them high fives and stuff. And I'm watching that. I'm going, there's a team that's not ready to play. And you know what? They messed around. And they let Northern Colorado hang around and hang around. And Northern Colorado finally puts a great drive together and there's, you know, they score and they go, you know what? We have a losing record. We're going for two and they go for two and they get it. And there's like three seconds left and yeah. Northern Air long, Northern NAU loses the game because they, that's a good example of a little thing, you know, it sounds like, Oh, just be ready to play. But, in those situations, you can just see NAU wasn't ready to play and they lost and Weber State was really ready to play and they dominated. You know, I like that part of it. I also like the things that we did on offense as far as the short passing game, getting the tight end involved. Yeah. And I on, like the on Saturday, uh, right? Yeah, on Saturday. And then the other part of it is, is I like our defense because I think defensive guys, when they play in those type of games, they go, Today's the day I'm going to stuff the stat sheet. I'm going to, today is I'm going to get my two sacks. I'm going to get a pick because we're playing against Idaho State and I'm going to show out. And I love, I love the way our defensive played. Yeah. I mean, we said, we definitely saw that from Winston Reed, right? Like he just had an absolute monster game, a couple of strip sacks, just a huge game for him. You know, a guy who has been there all season really has had a great impact on the defense. And so good to see him get that opportunity to, to, like you said, pad the stats a little bit against a lesser opponent. Mitch, what about you, man? What did you like about this game against the Stripes on Saturday at Stewart Stadium? Um, I really like the fact that we did what we were supposed to against them. Yeah. Sometimes when you have a lesser opponent coming in, especially after back-to-back big games, it's easy to kind of you know, have a, have a hangover game. And it was nice to see that we did what we should, right? Defense played well, offense played well. We did what we're good at and we did it really well. And so I know that that coach Hill likes to send his seniors out that way. And when you have an opponent like Idaho state who in the past has been decent, but when we do what we're supposed to and dominate like we should on senior night, that's just a 
that's a Saturday that everybody can enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Senior day. And so this is the way that you want to send guys out. Often, you know, in, in recent memory, Idaho State usually gets to watch us hoist the conference championship trophy at yeah. the end of the game because they have the pleasure of playing us at the last game of the season. That's changed this year, obviously. But um, well, there yeah. some, there's some big seniors, too, that are graduating that have been there for, I mean, through the COVID years. And so they're six, seven year seniors. So nice to send them out that way. For sure. The, hey, the one thing about the seniors is I'm up there watching the game and I'm talking to Miller Toggy, who's the father of the Toggy boys. And he tells me they get, they're coming back. <laughs> they're coming back. And I'm going, how many years have these guys been here? You know, they're coming back. He says they got, they're working on their masters and they got one more year left. And I'm going, how many years? Hey man, if you, get that, if you can get that free masters. You take it every time. Simon, <laughs> Simon, what about you, man? What'd you like about the game against the stripes on Saturday? I liked a lot. You know, we, we kind of talked about it before. This was a matchup that we were fairly confident about. Um, For sure. I think one of my favorite things that happened um, was that fumble return for a touchdown. We were interviewing Garrett Beck after the game and he was like, Oh, he was just so excited that it was his first touchdown ever. Like as far as high school, college, anything like that goes. So it was like his first big touchdown. And uh, Coach Hill actually came in after for the press conference, and he talked about um, seeing Garrett back on the sideline and giving him a hug. And uh, he's turned around and uh, um, or not not a hug. I can't even remember what was going on. But anyway, he didn't even notice the coach was there for a while. Like <laughs> Hill had to, you know scream his name out a few times and just uh just a fun moment it's one of those that you get to see every now and then that i thought was pretty funny to see nice now big moment for sure i mean obviously you know another by winston reed ball comes loose garrett beck in a position to pick it up good blocking you know no flags just give your man an opportunity and uh you know because obviously garrett not the fastest guy on the, on the court on the, the field but doesn't matter good blocking he gets it done turns it into seven so guys, I'm going to flip the script now. I mean, it was a good game. Wildcats dominated. What didn't you like about how things went on Saturday? <laughs> That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I didn't like to see some of those one. seniors leave. That's what sure. I didn't like to see. Yeah, I mean, They put in a lot of work and won a lot of games for us. That was probably the, the one, one thing I didn't like to see. I mean, just a good, good group of uh, players for us, um, you know, have, have had a great run. Yeah, I think, um, I think as far as what coach Hill was saying at the end of the game, um, he was talking about, you know, how we played great, played great in spurts and everything like that. Um, he was a little bit frustrated about the special teams, especially with the uh, missed field goal. And then we had the one muffed kind of um, muffed hold right there. Um, he was also a little bit frustrated about that touchdown. I was kind of too. Um, when we make, it's not like a big deal to have that one touch. It was like 45 to seven. So it's not like a huge deal. No, it, was, make, it was 21 to seven at that point. It was 21 to seven at that point. And when we make titles at the sign post, I know we've used this title before, but I really want to say shutting out the stripes and mm. yeah, and I couldn't have it anymore. <laughs> so close. It's so close. <laughs> What about you, Mitch? I mean, things that maybe didn't go so well for you on Saturday. Yeah, I think special teams is the thing that sticks out the most when you're missing those easy field goals. That's it's hard to win football games, but when you're playing at Ohio State, um, 
it works out. Um, and maybe not necessarily from the Idaho state game, but just kind of collectively over the last few weeks, I just feel like we're not super efficient throwing the football. Yes. Um, we did get into those little short passing games, the tight ends, which I liked. Um, but outside of Ty, there hasn't been a player that's kind of stepped up and, and made a big play in the past game besides McPherson. And so I think if we're going to really make a run at this thing, the past game has got to get much more consistent. And, and the word I would use is more explosive yeah. because when we're playing teams, they know we can run the football. They're load the box and we're going to have to make them pay. And, and especially against Sac state a couple weeks ago, I don't know if we were able to ever make them pay in the past game. And so hopefully this week, that's what I'm looking for. Some more explosive plays in the past game to somebody other than Ty McPherson. Uh, that's totally fair. And, and you're, that's true with the Sac state game, because we talked about in that week's game day show about how we felt that the Sac state secondary was an opportunity for the wildcats because we knew that they were going to be stout on the line. They knew that we were going to run the ball. Of course, that's a staple of Mickey mental's offense and a staple of playing football at Weber state, but there was an opportunity to go over the top and beat them. And there were just a lot of, a lot of the passages weren't quite there that week. And I think part of that is weather, but also just, they just weren't quite there in the first half. I think it got cleaned up in the second half, but I agree. Not a lot of explosive plays that really could have just flipped the game on its head. Uh, that was going to be my criticism was that going into halftime, Wildcats are only up 21 to seven on the second worst team in the conference. I mean, of course we can, we can all complain like, Oh, there should be more, but I just think that if you should really beat up on opponents early and put them away, that's why yeah. I don't like the, the touchdown going into halftime because those are the kinds of things give teams hope that maybe they can, the Wildcats come out in the second half, they shut it down. Turnovers are a factor and they pull away in pretty quick succession. But Going in 21-7 at half is not ideal because you want to break a team early and make them give up. And a team like Idaho State would have given up because they're just they're just beat this year, you know? Right. Yeah. And along with that, that passing game, as I watch it, the thing that's that's somewhat frustrating is is you watch that Montana State game in the last the last drive with Bronson. Incredible. I mean playing great, man, you know, and you just see, you just see these glimpses of greatness, right? And just at the beginning of the year, how many, how many fade balls did we complete? I mean, that fade was money. Yeah. That fade was money every single time they wanted it in the end zone. They had it. I haven't quite seen that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's, and it's a deep ball and it's, it's not a really high percentage throw because it's on the sideline. It's, it's one of those throws that it shouldn't get intercepted. And it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard ball to catch and it's a hard ball to throw. There's not a big window there, but and you see that, that type of completion, especially at the beginning of the year against Utah state, I think, at the beginning of the year, I think I, I saw about eight of those completed in a row between different games. And it's just like, like, like I said, you see these glimpses of, of like, man, this, we can be pretty darn good. And then you go back and watch a Sac State, State game and it's just kind of like, well, what, what's happening here? Or the first part of the Montana State game, like why, you know, but in his defense too, and, and Bronson's, I mean, you catch a couple of those balls that he throws, you know, in the Montana game. State game, it's, it's, it changes the whole outcome. So it's kind of a, 
it's 50, 50, you know, sometimes he's not perfect. And then sometimes the receivers aren't catching them. So you put those combination, you know, 50, 50 receivers, 50, 50 quarterbacks. That's not a very good percentage, you know? So. And I think that's Mitch's point, right? Mitch, where you're just saying that like those explosive plays really are the thing that blows it open and allows the wildcats to open things up offensively a little bit more because the, the defense has to respect that kind of a thing. And so they're hedging instead of just going all in, like you said, loading the box and saying, beat us on the ground. We dare you. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that sometimes when you're watching Weber state play, it's like we pass because we know we have to, and it's part of the game, but we don't really want to where if we could just figure out a way to be effective in the past game consistently and connect on those explosive plays, well, that will open everything else up. Yeah, for sure. So guys, MVPs in this one, uh, like you said, it is senior day, but who's your MVP stack. I'm going, I'm going to go with the tight end. I thought that was his most Malone. game. Yeah. Just with his blocking on the outside, they run that little, little bubble screen. And sometimes he's the point. Sometimes he's catching it, you know? So I thought he, I thought he, I thought he played well. Mitch MVP from last week. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I know more than national media. I'll go Winston Reed as well, national player of the year or the week. Yeah, that's mine too, because Winston was so impactful. I mean, you could look at Desmond Williams and say, well, that that pick, you know, was big time for Desmond Williams. Sure. I think it got squandered, you know, because that was the muffed field goal. That was a three and out, by the way. Shouldn't have been a three and out in their territory. Right. But uh, Winston Reed was big. And so I, I agree with you. Like, it's the obvious. That's why we tried to get him on Monday night. Simon, what about you? Yeah, I think you have to go with Winston Reed on this one. Um, as far as another player to look at, Dante McMillan played incredible. Yeah. Um, I know I know we hand that MVP award out to him a lot, and he, he deserved it this time too. He was the one that got that offense going early on and treated Idaho State like they should be treated, which is, you know, he ran all over him in that in that start, averaging pretty much a first down every time he ran with 9.3 yards, 139 yards the entire game with that one touchdown run, I think. Yeah, like I, I go win. Winston, but that's a that's a close second in my opinion. Yeah, and and for DMac, I think that that was his probably his best game because the way that that it's set up, it's running back by committee at Weber State, and so you look at some of the gaudy numbers across the country. It's like, oh, look at this guy; he's putting up you know a thousand yards, blah blah. It's like, well, that's not going to happen necessarily at Weber State because they share the ball so much and they share those carries. But I mean, that was his best game by far this season and his second best game came against Montana where he was a hundred yards on 23 attempts. So easily his best game of the season, 139 on 15 carries. So guys, that's sex. Uh, that was Idaho state. Good times beat the stripes. Uh, we talked a little bit about the train bell trophy last week. Train bell trophy stays home. It's where it belongs. We've only lost to Idaho state like four times in my lifetime. Like <laughs> I'm 37 years old count on one hand like the train bell trophy lives in ogden that's what it is so guys let's let's look forward to today's matchup against northern arizona um this is an interesting team because they have had moments where they've given some teams some scares um but they also have been really they they've struggled against really bad teams i guess is what i should say um but really it seems like the story with these guys is RJ Martinez. RJ Martinez is the key to everything that they do offensively. Um, he's second in the conference in, uh, this season in passing yards, but the good news for the Wildcats, he doesn't seem to run a lot. He seems only to run in short yarded situations on the goal line. I looked, you know, he's, he's got a few rushing touchdowns, 
but that's mostly because they're so close. You know, I think he only has like 72 net yards total for the season rushing. So it's not like he's Tommy Mallott or, or Sean Chambers or even Asher O'Hara, who we saw a couple of weeks ago. Martinez is more of a traditional quarterback. He wants to throw the ball. And so do you think, I guess the question for you guys is this, what will be key to making it a long day for him? Because the secondary has had some struggles recently, I think. Well, from watching him, he scares me. He's, sure, he's, he's good. Pretty, he is a good player. Big and Sky freshman about, of the year last year. Yeah, and you talk about running. Well, one of the reasons is he doesn't have those, those rushing yards, those scrambled yards, is when he breaks the pocket, he doesn't break the pocket to run. He breaks the pocket and he still keeps his eyes downfield and he's still he's still looking to make a play. So he's he's able to run, but he refuses because he's he he wants to throw it. He still wants to keep the play alive and he wants to throw it downfield. But he's you know, he's a very capable player. And then the other part too is just on offense. Man, they uh, they they do a couple of things similar to Sac State where they they shift and they get lined up fast and they are very a very hurry up type of offense. So I notice, you know, going back to Sac State, we didn't line up really. Um, we weren't set a couple times versus Sac State, so that's that's one thing that uh, uh, that concerns me with him. Um, but as you asked, you know, how do you contain a guy like that? I mean, I think it starts with the pass rush and then keeping him in the cage, right? You can't, you can't over rush him and get on different levels. You know, you can't, you can't have your pass rush go past him and then he dips underneath. So I think it's that D line, just keeping him, um, you know, under control. I think the back end, the secondary is going to have those guys covered. But again, when he breaks that pocket and he's scrambling around back there, looking to throw the football, that could be a problem for us. So I think it's, it's the two defensive tackles getting great, pro, uh, getting a good push up front and then the defensive ends containing them. I think that's the biggest thing is keeping them in the pocket and just squeezing them in that pocket and not letting them break out. If, if you're asking how, how we can contain them, but, uh, as you watch him, I can see why he gave Montana state all they wanted. Yeah. Um, because he is, took, he took, is took a, a clutch Tommy Malott play to give the Bobcats an opportunity to kick a field goal there yeah. and win the game and, and get out of Flagstaff with a very close W. And he, and he took one of the Dakota schools to the ropes too, didn't he? Yeah. North Dakota uh, also escaped Flagstaff with a win. But yeah, they're a different team. They're a different team out there. But Mitch, I wanted to ask you, I mean, there's been a lot of tape now on the Wildcats and trying to contain running quarterbacks. And I don't think it's unique to the Wildcats. Everybody's had problems containing some of these guys like, you know, a Tommy Mallott or a Sean Chambers or an Asher O'Hara. You know, those teams have won a lot of games on the legs of their, you know, quarterbacks. And so I wonder, like, do you think the NAU tries it against Weber State or because they haven't really done it a bunch this season, they're going to stick to what they do, even though it hasn't necessarily brought them a lot of success? Um, I think they could attempt it. I think when he escapes the pocket, he might try to look to run, um, especially because the type of defense that we play, right? We have a lot of faith in our corners and our nickel to play man coverage. And when you're in man coverage, you turn your back to the quarterback a lot. And so there's going to be opportunities for this quarterback to get out of the pocket and run and gain some yards. I think when we played Montana state and Sac state, um, I've been in those defensive meetings and, and, and their favorite way at Weber state to stop the running quarterback is to play man coverage, but put a guy on the quarterback. So well, when the quarterbacks, 
yeah, like a spy, right? They'll, they'll key the quarterback. And anytime he pulls the ball, it's one-on-one and we're betting on our guy being better than their guy. But when you have someone like the Malak kid at Montana state, he's better than most players in the nation. So, um, I'm glad we're not playing a running quarterback. I think that's something that as a defense, we need to iron out, um, how to contain those guys. Um, but this week, you know, I think, I think, uh, the Rodriguez kid, he's thrown for like six fifty or 700 yards in the last two weeks. Yeah. They've put up roughly a thousand yards of offense in the last two weeks. And so I think it's going to come down to us getting pressure on him. Um, maybe some exotic blitzes. The fact that we can play man to man and we're so good at man to man allows our pressures to be a little more exotic um, and not have to bring as many dog blitzes or zone blitzes where guys can, you know, find the holes in the defense. When you blitz in man coverage, you have guys eyes on their guys. And so you don't have a lot of those finding holes in the defense. It's hard to cover a guy for four or five, six seconds. Mm -hmm. But if we can get pressure up front, bring some exotic blitzes at times in man coverage, I think we'll be okay. Simon, I mean, what's your take? I mean, do you, do you feel that, um, the, the secret is to really to shut Martinez down? Because like Mitch is saying, I mean, they've really gone to him through the air. He's had a, a really good couple last two, three weeks, uh, really gone to that, but it also doesn't mean that they're necessarily scoring a lot of points there either. They put up just 20 against Northern Colorado last weekend, who is not a great team. Um, Idaho shut them down. Absolutely. They scored a lot more points though, against, uh, a Montana state team that is playing for a conference championship this weekend. What's your take on Martinez? And that's the game that scares me is that Montana state game, because you look yeah. at the stat line, you look at 452 yards and three touchdowns against a secondary that we compared to Weber States. Like as far as like, I remember going to that and it's not that way as much now, but like when they were playing them, they were the two best secondaries in the conference. And that was one of our biggest. But their schedule wasn't what our schedule was. It, like I. It wasn't what our schedule. No. Yeah. Like I, I will totally admit that it was not what our schedule was, but um, he played really well against that secondary. Yeah. Um, I think like one of the big things is it takes, um, it takes just a few five yard slides to get we were still a little bit nervous um as far as playing a lot of man coverage goes i think one of the things is i think i, I bring it back to what coach stack said and that this is a game that you know you have guys like stephen bryant garrett beck and winston reed where if they dominate and we can lock them down from from the defensive line then we're able to bully him a little bit in the secondary and so that's one of the things that i definitely want to see this matchup yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with, with Mitch too, is I, I want to see what Martinez does. If he does break the pocket and he sees the backs of our corners running downfield, what he's going to do, is he going to wait for something coming underneath or he's going to go, I'm just going to run it because the secondary is running with the receivers and they're not looking at me. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do. If he's going to hold on to the ball or he's going to go, I'm out of here. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna eat up this green grass and take what I can get. So, and I think it goes back to containing him in that pocket. Yeah, the reason I asked that question was because we saw a little bit of that last week in the second half, where 
Sagan Gronauer goes out. He did something, something weird happened. He was going out of bounds and uh, he like tweaked his leg. And so Sagan Gronauer is the third string quarterback at Idaho state. So they bring in the second string Hunter Hayes, who probably isn't a hundred percent healthy, but they're in a pinch. They need to bring someone. So they, they bring Hayes and that's what they tried with Hayes. They tried to run him and they had a modicum of success. It didn't net them any points, but they tried it and they moved the ball a, a little bit better but it didn't also, but then they also moved away from it later where they were just like, ah, this isn't working. We're going to try something else. And so I just wonder, you know, even teams like Idaho state who are a little bit desperate are trying it and seeing a little bit of success. But I wondered also if the team is getting better at it because this is now the third, fourth, fifth week of seeing guys try to pull this crap. And so it's just like, listen, we've seen it enough now that we know how to deal with it. I want to talk about the running game a little bit too, because NAU, not a great running team. Um, right now, their their leader in yards is George Robinson. He's a junior running back. 232 yards. That's what he's got this season. But I did notice that Drayson Hall, who's a sophomore for them, he's had a good couple of weeks. He went for 147 yards on 24 attempts last week. That was good for 6.1 yards a carry against Northern Colorado. Wildcats have the number two run defense in the conference. They only give up 127 a game. So do you guys think that they try to get creative with the run game where it's like, Hey, we're going to try some Drayson hall or is the defense prepared for that? Because they don't have a lot of options. And so it's like, you see a George Robinson or a Drayson hall. And it's like, okay, we know what they've got there. We can contain it because they're second best in the conference at doing that. Well, I think their run game is their, their outside game, you know, throwing to the receivers and, and doing that, that type of just throwing to the edge and just trying to, yeah, just a long handoff, explain. but yeah. And I think their run game goes with their offensive line. And I don't think their offensive line, as you match up against our defensive line, I don't think they're going to be able to match our D line as being physical enough to, to uh, be able to have handle us up front. Their run game is pretty simple. All they do is a stretch. They just, a gap play. They just either step right and just run tracks or step left and run tracks. They don't pull or do anything like that. They never bring in, uh, you know, tight ends to, to block on the edge or anything creative like that. So they're pretty simple in the run game. And, you know, I just think up front defensive line wise, I think we're just more physical. I think we got more depth than they have. Um, so I, I don't, I just don't see that as a, as an issue. I'm more concerned about that outside edge game with the receivers and their ability to play fast. And if they play fast, making sure that we get lined up because just watching that Northern Colorado game, man, that first 20, the first 20 plays they ran, I think, I don't think they ran a formation, the same formation more than twice. So they do multiple things to try and confuse you a little bit. Yeah, and I think they run out of necessity. I think they're the exact opposite of our offense, mm. right? They want to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, and they run it to try to keep the defenses honest. Um, but our defense is built to stop the run. Hand off to the running back, like our defense, our interior D tackles, our backers, our, even our DNs, they're not, you know, these quick twitchy guys that are rushing off the edge like incredible pass rushers. We're pretty good at, at setting edges. We're pretty good at sitting in our gaps. And we're pretty good at flying to the football. And so, in my opinion, I think that NAU is going to abandon the run game sooner than later in this game on Saturday. And just go wholly with 
the the hopes and you know prayers of putting the the game on the arm of RJ Martinez and just seeing if you can get it done against the Wildcat offense. I think he'll I think he'll throw the ball fifty plus times on Saturday. Yeah. Simon, do you, I mean, so another thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is we've noticed that um, quarterbacks like Miles Hastings at UC Davis now leads the conference in passing yards and I think also efficiency. Um, he's found a lot of success in the short passes across the middle often. They found success using that against the Wildcats back when the Wildcats played them earlier in the season. And it seems to be working for Davis. Davis is surging now. I mean, we'll talk about it when when it fly around the sky, but we were surprised at how Davis just absolutely dominated Idaho in Moscow all over the weekend. But do you think that Martinez tries to get smart and tries to go for those shorter dinks and dunks to, you know, just nickel and dime the Wildcats secondary to death? Well, I'll bring up last week real quick. I will preface this by saying some of us were less surprised about UC Davis. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he he picked Davis, folks. If you remember, Simon picked Davis, so he's going to rub that in. Yep, I had to. Um, I think Weber State's defense is set up in a very interesting way where, yeah, it looks like, you know, where you have a run game that's not as developed as other teams and where you have this passing game that, has a lot of development and does really well um, to kind of go for these short up the middle passes, like what UC Davis is doing. I think one of the things that you have to consider when you do that is Winston Reed has been phenomenal at picking apart those styles of defense. Like yeah, he fly to the ball is what you said, right, Mitch? Yep. Right. He, he's a fly on a wall on the wall. He kills it from there. Um, I think like, that's one of the things too with playing it close is Eddie Heckard and Maxwell Anderson can also read those close defenses extremely well. You know, you can kind of go to the side a little bit. You can kind of play with your tight ends. I think they'll find some success there. Um, but this isn't a team that really, I don't think they're a team that really thrives on that slower paced offense. Um, they're, they're someone that wants to air out the ball. They are someone that wants to get it out. Um, I think like, You'll see it like you see it sometimes when Weber State is down a little bit that they will start trying to run the offense through Ty McPherson and Jacob Sharp, who we know can make extremely big plays. Um, And I think you'll see that they'll get frustrated after a while with playing a little bit slower against the Wildcats because it works just about as well as it does to play with the long game. And that's more their style. So, yeah, I was thinking about that, you know. The way that you talked about it, Tom, that since NAU likes to play a more up-tempo offense, slowing them down, not letting them play that way, um, probably throws them off a little bit. And I, I think elevation is going to be a factor. They're obviously used to playing at elevation. But yeah, slowing them down a little bit and making them think probably is for the best because if they stop and think and it's not just going through the training, that's when we can see mistakes. Yeah. And that can work against you too. You know, as, sure. you know, that, that, that fast, fast tempo stuff, it's all good when, when you're moving the ball down the field, but if Weber state starts off that first series and just running the ball and driving it down the field and their defense has been on the, been on the field for like say 12 snap, 12, 12 snaps. Right. And then all, all of a sudden NAU's offense comes on and they're slinging it around and they go three and out. And then it's like NAU's defense going, we got to go out there. I, I have yeah. no time to even get a, a, any water. So, um, but Mitch, have you ever played at any of you? I know with the schedules and stuff, have you, have you played up there? Oh yeah. So yeah. My what's sophomore your, year we played up there. Yeah. So what's your thoughts? Do you, do you like when I coached and played, I always felt they were just a different team up there. So I don't know what's your thoughts about 
what what you think as far as watching them on film playing in different places and then watching them on film playing at home and then you actually playing against them in, in Flagstaff. What's your thoughts about that? Uh, no, I, I 100% agree. I think they are a different different team in Flagstaff. And I think the elevation is close to 7,000 feet. 6,700. So, That's right. Yeah, it 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 plays a factor in, in the way that the game goes. And then, you know, when we were up there, it, there's snow on the ground and then you walk into this muggy dome and you're at 7,000 feet and they get rowdy and they do what they do best at home. I don't think anytime they've ever come out to, to Ogden, their offenses aren't great. You know, they, they play us tough every time, but their offense is, is a little bit different in those controlled environments like the dome in Flagstaff. Yeah. Good points all. I mean, right now, NAU, so all time, the season, the, the, the historic record between the two teams is 27 and 27. We are dead even. And that's why I think this, this has a, this is kind of a sneaky rivalry in a way, but it's definitely a series that favors the home team. The Wildcats are just seven of 18 in Flagstaff. Meanwhile, they're 20 of nine at home. So what you're saying, Mitch is, you know, is bared out, borne out by the numbers. They come to Ogden. It's just not there. But like you said, in the conditions that are the, the walk-up Sky Dome, which it has a new name this season because they got some sponsorship money. But in the walk-up Sky Dome, they're a different team and they like it that way. So guys, I want to talk a little bit about Northern Arizona's defense now uh, and talk about some opportunities that the offense might have to kind of put some finishing touches on a few things in um, preparation for hopefully a good deep playoff run. So right now, Northern Arizona... Six best in the conference at stopping the pass. It's pretty middle of the road. It's not great. It's not terrible. But the thing that stuck out, stood out to me was they are dead last in the conference in interceptions. They don't draw a lot. And so it's like maybe they're, you know, the conference stats don't give you PBUs or anything like that. But they just, they're middle of the road when it comes to defending the pass. But man, they do they not force a lot of turnovers with that. And so I, I wanted to ask, like, we talked about the effect of elevation in the dome but there's no weather. So, you know, you're not, you're not dealing with that necessarily. Do you think that the pass game gets back on track? Because like you said earlier, Tom, we've seen moments where the pass game can look incredible. The, the end, the last drive against Montana state, or even that last, that fourth quarter against Montana state, the pass game looked absolutely phenomenal. Do the Wildcats have an opportunity there? Or do you think that it's going to take a little while to adjust? Well, from what they did against Northern Colorado, and I don't think Northern Colorado is this big threat of throwing the game, but their corners are deep. And I just just watching their back end play, I think their philosophy is is just don't get beat. Like they're not I don't think they're like our secondary where we're pretty aggressive and we're kind of like ball hawks and we're gonna if that ball's in the air, it's our ball. And I think there are just like they played so deep against Northern Colorado and just keep everything in front of you. You know, we'll give up some stuff underneath, but just don't get deep, get beat deep. So I think that's that's their philosophy. And it kind of ties into what you talked about, interceptions and things. If, you know, if you're going to just let everything happen in front of you, you're not going to be aggressive. That's why you're not. You know, that's not why you're not getting those interceptions. And then, you know, I'm not looking at the stats, but, you know, how many times are they forcing teams into passing situations where it's third down? Mm 
you know, and they got to, they got to throw it around and things like that. So, I mean, I I just see a lot of stuff underneath and just dink and dunk and take what they give us and and do those things. I don't know. I don't know if McPherson's going to get behind them just because they're just not going to let it happen from watching them, what they did against Northern Colorado. Yeah, Mitch. So you talked a little bit about explosive plays, right? And um, based on what Tom is saying, they like to play fairly far back. They don't want to get beat and give up that big explosive play over the top. And so, if, I mean, if you're um, if you're a receiver, are you trying to just get everything you can in front of them and make maybe make a make a guy miss? You know, maybe like five yards, let the ball come in, try and make your man miss, and then try and get it that way. I mean, you're a former DB. Like, how do you how do you how do you do that when you're you're playing so deep and trying to, you know, not give up those explosive plays. Yeah. So I'm a defensive coordinator right now at the high school that I keep teaching coach at. And we kind of have a similar philosophy. We don't want to get beat deep on the outside. And the most frustrating thing that teams do against us is run hitches and comebacks, right? Because now I got this corner that feels like he's given up three straight hitches in a row. He gets a little aggressive and doesn't want to give him another hitch. And now all of a sudden we, they draw us in. Um, what I would really like to see on Saturday is coach mental dial up some pass plays and have Bronson start, you know, eight out of 10 or 12 out of 14, just nice, easy throws out of the flats to the tight ends, give us some hitches, get the ball in the playmakers hands and let them be great football players. And so I would really like to see almost the decision-making from Bronson taken out of his hands for a second and just say, Hey, I'm going to call this play for you to be successful. I want you to throw the ball right here to Malone. I want you to throw the screen route on the slip screen here to Ty McPherson. I want you to throw out of the backfield, maybe, uh, you know, a bubble or a T swing to McMillan, just easy throws, get his confidence up, get those DBs coming forward. And so we can take a shot down the field later on. Hmm. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of bait and switch as it were. Didn't we, didn't we really kind of see that on Saturday though? With Iowa I thought State? So. Yeah, I saw. I thought he did that. Just like you say, just get a, get into a rhythm, throwing the throwing the football. I thought, I thought the uh, mental did a good job of trying to do that last week. So, Simon, I was going to ask you. It seems like um, there there's going to be an opportunity to throw the ball. Uh, talked about maybe not necessarily deep until you've kind of worn them down a little bit and drawn them in the way that Mitch just talked about, but. Coach Mental and others have talked about staying on schedule. And I think the way that they stay on schedule in this one is a healthy dose of the run game. It's worked all season for the Wildcats. It's not like NAU is whiz bang at defending the rush. I mean, right now their rush defense is eighth in the conference. You know what I mean? They're giving up 185 yards a game. It's not like they're awesome at it. And so the question for you is, I mean, do you think that it, it seems like it's going to be running back by committee in this one because Josh Davis didn't play last week. It's just another week for him to get healthy again. Seems like another another week's time of getting Demon Bankston back to 100% who has, you know, a very specific and special skill set. You know, the guy can put the afterburners on if he gets loose. And then, of course, we talked about the workhorse, Dante McMillan, who kind of just like does it all for the Wildcats. Do you think that with that combination that that, that becomes kind of the, the bread and butter of the offense and then they throw these, you know, shorter passes the way that Tom and Mitch have talked about in order to kind of do that, give that little extra and 
keep the defense honest so that they don't necessarily expect a pass every single time? Well, I think, um, I think there's a little bit that, that I'm seeing. Like I, I love seeing the short passes. I love seeing, you know, the, the run game that we've had because it's safe football and it's good football still. Um, I think as far as running back by, by committee goes and everything like that, I don't think they're going to pull out a ton of running backs in this one. I wouldn't pull out Josh Davis or Damon Banks in this one where it's coming playoff time. This is a playoff team. Like, this is there's no need to take that risk especially against a defense that has been figured out like and i'm gonna say that because i mean you look at these last games you don't even have to look at a stat sheet you don't even have to look at anything like that the only two teams that northern arizona has not let score over 20 points are sam houston and idaho state (laughs) like this is a this is a bad defense. It's not keeping anybody down. And so I think like, you know, we we've seen these last few games where it has been conservative football. I think it'll be a little bit conservative to that nature still. But I also think you're going to see some stuff like you saw in that Portland state game where you bring out your playmakers like Jacob Sharp, who I, you know, we talk about Ty McPherson and we talk about how much of a talent he is. And um, he, there, there's obviously a reason. Jacob Sharp is one of those guys that I wish we didn't have to see get injured. I think we, I think coming back a little bit from it, I think that Sac State game was a hard one to come back on because it's such a tough team. But that's what I want to see in the second half, especially is I don't think they're going to turn to the run game as much. I think like we're going to use it for those explosive plays, but we're going to be throwing these long slants and everything because this is a defense we can take advantage of. Guys, thoughts on the run game before we move on to the, the final question here? Yeah, I kind of agree with Simon. Um, I don't necessarily think you need to bring out Josh Davis. Let's get that dude primed up, ready to go for the playoffs and banks in as well. He's, he's a playmaker. Um, now there might be an opportunity to get them in and get them some touches and knock some of the dust off. But for the most part, we should see a heavy dose of DMAC and then, yeah. and then Jackson towards the Jackson. goal line. Yeah. Send the battering ram, baby. Um, last question for you guys then is about, um, is about Northern Arizona this season because you noted um, earlier, Tom, that they have had close games to good teams in Flagstaff. They they held Northern uh, North Dakota. They barely survive and they get out of there with a win. Same thing with Montana State. Tommy Malott throws an absolute bomb down the field in the dying minutes, dying seconds of that fourth quarter, putting them in a field goal to win the game. Um, they're you, Mitch, you talked about it. They're a different team when they play in Flagstaff. The Wildcats are 7 of 18 all time in Flagstaff. Even Coach Hill has had problems in Flagstaff until recently where he sort of exercised those demons. There was the Josh Davis game in Ogden, and um, and I think that kind of helped, plus then the Hale Malone game. So this is the first time coming back to Flagstaff since 2018, I believe. 20, maybe it was, yeah, maybe it was... I think it is because I, uh, but anyway, there have been trouble in Flagstaff. Do you think that has an effect in this game today? Or do you think that it's just going to be like, you know what? The team's going to be prepped. They're going to be ready. NAU is not good. They'll take care of business. I think more so than anything else is that NAU and Weber State always have competitive games. Yeah. Right. No matter where they're at, they're always competitive. Um, the, the only bad news for Weber state though, is this is in Flagstaff where they're playing better this year. And so, um, yeah, that's the, the Montana state game is scary. Like the, that NAU team that shows up against Montana state, they show up on Saturday. We're in for a dog fight. 
if yeah. you get the team that that played, I mean, UC Davis, Idaho, yeah. Idaho yeah. then hopefully we down. do what we should. Now that's harder to do than it is to say when you're playing in Flagstaff. So I think we'll be ready to go, though. Uh, it's our last game to really tune up, kind of get that first round by. We need a win. Otherwise, we're sneaking into the playoffs. And so I think Coach Hill will have those guys psyched up, ready to go. Yeah, because if they don't win, then that that puts them at um, losing three of the last five yeah. to end the season. Not a good look from the committee. Definitely probably puts you playing on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Guys, what do you think about playing Flagstaff? You think that the Wildcats and Coach Hill and his staff have exercised those demons and they'll be all, they'll be ready to take care of business? I think there's always an effect. I mean, there's there's certain teams that are just weird to play against. Um, we brought it up with softball in Utah State, how this year's softball team was so much better than Utah State's was, and we still yeah. lost the game. It's just yeah. – it happens. Um because they play in a little league field, that's why I'll say it. Their faces <laughs> play in a little league field, and they got lucky. Whatever. Exactly. No, I think like with with NAU and up in the up in the dome, everything like that. Um, I think the the big thing is the thing that'll remain constant is this is a game that will be decided by Weber State's defense. If Weber State's defense lets them into this game, then we've got then we've got a dogfight. But we've proved that. You know, unless there is something seriously wrong with the offense that day, Northern Arizona's offense isn't like defense isn't going to stop them. There's nothing stopping them. It'll be close. Like it'll be a high scoring game if this comes down to a close game. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think you just have to put all, all faith and all luck in the defense right there and um, see if they can break the, the curse in the sky dome. Hmm. Tom, final word on Northern Arizona before we close out this segment. I don't know. I, I, and I, yeah, I think Hill's just got a history of just always having his team ready to play ever since, you know, not the early, early years when, when he had to kind of grow the program and grow the talent things. But over the last four or five years with the talent level, the, the team has always been consistent. They've always played well. You know, I've never... I can't remember a game where where we've lost a game that we should have won, right? Like, of course, you're playing against Montana State and SAC and some ranked teams. I mean, that's that's a different animal. But lower end teams, I don't, I I can't, rem- I don't know of any team that that we have outmatched come in and beat us. I really, and I don't know, maybe you can speak to that, Mitch, but, you know, and I'm not like, again, I'm not talking about a, a ranked Montana and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, comes down to one or two plays. I'm just talking about a lower end team that we're better at. I just think coach Hill has a history of being prepared. He's got a process. He's consistent. And because he's consistent, probably through practice and preparation. And then we're consistent on Saturday, the way that they play. And that's, and that's what I expect on Saturday, just being consistent and doing what we do and we're a better team and we're going to win. So I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on that Mitch is because you got the inside inside scoop. No, I, I definitely agree. And the one thing I think we have going for us is that um, NAU's strength isn't our weakness. Right. Like Montana State and Sac State, their strengths were our weakness on defense. Um, we're pretty good in, in pass defense. And so I do think that we match up 
just fine against NAU. They are a scary football team in Flagstaff, but we should win. Yeah. I mean, football is all about matchups. And like you said, it just happens to match up this way. And so you can have some confidence, Wildcat fans, going into today's game in Flagstaff that RJ Martinez is probably not going to have a great day throwing the ball through the air because of the no-fly zones out there. So, guys, let's take our quick fly around the sky looking at the upcoming games for the final weekend of the regular season. Um, like we said, you know, Simon made clear to note that uh, overall, we had a pretty good week. Everybody got the NAU game wrong. They let us down. That's what we get for choosing them. Simon picked Davis over Idaho. He's feeling he's feeling the uh, the heat from the Aggies, and uh, he picked right. But aside from that, everybody did pretty. Good. Talk about this week. Uh, it's rivalry week, of course. We, I'm sure that you folks are probably watching game day up in Bozeman right now. If you're listening to this show, and if not, go back. I mean, that's a huge deal for the conference to get game day to come to Bozeman and cover the brawl of the wild. Uh, awesome to hear. But let's start out with Idaho. At Idaho State, King Spud game. Um, Idaho's been good. Idaho State's been bad, but it is at Holt, and Idaho lost the last time they came to Holt. Obviously, it was a different head coach. It's a different year. I don't know, guys. Idaho or Idaho State in this one? Oh, Idaho. I, I saw that Idaho State team firsthand. It is. <laughs> <laughs> saw that movie. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll go Idaho as well. Okay, Mitch is going Idaho. Tom, you going to be contrarian or are you going to go with the crowd here? No, I'm 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 going to go with Idaho. I just I just hope Idaho State doesn't have any more DUIs. Mm. <laughs> Kid played too. He's been playing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess NBD. I had to throw it in there. I had to hey. throw it in. Yeah, we didn't talk about it last week, but it is what it is. Uh yeah. next up, um this is going to be kind of interesting because Northern Colorado takes the trip up to Cheney to play Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington has been a beaten team. Um, that last weekend, uh, gosh, who'd they play? Uh, man, they just got absolutely demolished. I'm trying to remember who they played. It was uh, Montana. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Montana and they hammered them, but maybe I'm thinking of the week before, but Eastern is just a beat team right now. Like they are just a, they have just had a rough year. It has not gone well for them. Northern Colorado is not great though. And it is on the red turf. It is Eastern senior day. So there's some pride there. I don't know. What do you guys think? The bears or the Eagles? <laughs> oh, geez. It's tough. This one's actually fly, tough. fly, Eagle fly, man. I'm going to Eagles. Okay. I'm going on senior day. I'm going on okay. that. Tom's Nick? right, but I have to respect a team that got me so bad last week. Let's go Northern Colorado on this one. Out of kids, Simon. <laughs> oh, man. Mitch, what are you thinking on this one, man? I'm going Eastern. Just like Flagstaff's hard to play, so is Eastern Washington. Yeah, playing Eastern on the red gets turf. it done on senior night. Yeah, playing on the red turf is weird. Um Jay Hills cracked the code, by the way, but uh, nobody else necessarily has. And They've so, got weather up there that nobody else has. Yeah, the wind up They've there got is frozen rain and windstorms that no one likes to play football in. Yeah, except for them. Except for them. <laughs> Maybe they don't even like it, but whatever. That's yeah. it is what it is. Um, guys, I think I hear what you're saying, but I think I'm going to pick Northern Colorado here, and here's why. I just think that the I think the team has given up on Aaron Best this year. Like they've just been punched in the mouth too many times. They're just trying to get through. I think that they just they just go out with a whimper. So 
I'm taking Northern Colorado. I could be wrong though. Could be some pride in senior day. Um, big one next up, guys. UC Davis taking the trip down the causeway to face Sac State in the Causeway Classic. This is big because we've seen that Davis has been pretty freaking good in the last few weeks. Obviously, Sac State is Sac State. They've only lost one conference game in the last three years, and that was to the Wildcats back in 2019. So, do you take the surging Davis Aggies, or do you take the consistent Sac State Hornets playing on their own turf? I'm going with the Hornets. I think I think Coach Taylor's a lot like Coach Hill, just a great coach, and he'll have those yeah. guys ready to play. And I think I think that friggin' running game from Sac State is just a beast, man. It's just tough to deal beast. with. I think Cameron Scadabo is going to win the Offensive Player of the Year in the conference this year. I think everybody kind of agrees. Anybody who's watched enough Big Sky football would probably say the same thing, unless you're trying to be contrarian or edgy, and you're going to say something weird like Tommy Malad or something like that. But uh, Mitch, Simon? That- I think that place is going to be rocking too, man, because it's such a, they're so close to each other. I mean, I wonder if they're bringing extra bleachers and stuff, man, because it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah. What are you guys thinking, Mitch Simon? Um, I'm going to go Davis. I'm going to take cake to Davis. The, uh, I, mean, I just, I don't, I hate Sac state. I don't know. <laughs> watching hey. them play. Like they just frustrate me. I don't, I don't want them to, to, be as good as they are. And I think UC Davis is, I guess not playing for more Sac state can probably get the one seed if they win and things shake out, but UC yeah. Davis is playing for their life and Sac state has the playoffs wrapped up. They're going, they're probably going to get a first round by regardless. Oh yeah. But regardless. UC Davis might be able to pull one out of the hat. Yeah, we've got a saying here at Weber State Weekly, Mitch. You don't lose to the green teams. <laughs> Hate losing to the green teams, my guy. Simon, what are you thinking, man? It's, it's a tough one. I, uh, you know, like there is that argument that Sac State is playing for that first seat, but I do think that in honesty, UC Davis is playing for more. You know, UC Davis had a tough schedule, like no ifs, ands, or I, I don't think anyone debates how tough UC Davis' schedule was. Um, and, it, and it set them back. Um, but they've been surging lately. And I don't know, after coming off a win like that against Idaho, like that's mm. Idaho right That there. game was never in question. Never. No. Yeah. And I'm going to go Davis on this one too. I think, I think this is the week for Davis. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that Davis has more to play for that. Sack is also better on the road than they are at home. That's a factor. Have um, you seen what Davis has done the last five weeks as far as offense? Yeah. They've just like exploded. 56, 58, 59, 43, 44. Like, yeah, Alonzo Gilliam is, is an absolute monster. I mean, we saw him in the game that we played against him, but I mean, he's a senior this year. This is his swan song. And like you said, they're playing for the playoffs. They have to win this game to get in the playoffs. Cause if they right. don't close losses to Sandy are South Dakota state and Weber state and Montana state aren't enough to get in. You got to win this five game. Doesn't get you in the playoffs. Not this year when the bubble yeah. is so big. Yeah. Um, next one is kind of a throwaway game, guys. Portland State at Cal Poly. I don't know. I'm taking Portland State because Cal Poly is the worst team in the conference. Yep, I'll take Portland State as well. Yeah, you can't you can't lose to the stripes and earn my trust. That's <laughs> nope, can't do it exactly. 
Because I think I picked Polly in that game, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, you're dead I to me. Like, I don't care." Game. Yeah. <laughs> Tom. Portland State. It's going PSU. Yeah. Barney's playing. I think Barney's probably getting fired at the end of the season, but whatever. Um. Okay, guys. Here it is. Brawl of the Wild. Montana at Montana State. This game is in Bozeman. Game day is at Bozeman. Is in Bozeman this weekend. Um. The Grizz are playing for a playoff spot too, um, because if they don't win, they could be the first four out. I mean, the bubble is huge, like we talked about just a couple of weeks ago with uh, Kyler Neal from Eagles Power Hour and the FCS Fans Nation. Montana State playing for a conference championship because if they win, um, they at least they secure a share going undefeated in conference play. So, we got the Grizz, or the Bobcats, Grizz. I think Grizz is a complete team. I just if, Bobcats if Lucas haven't. Johnson, if Lucas Johnson plays, that's a factor. Yeah, I just Bobcats. They haven't. They haven't played anybody yet. You know, when I mean, they played us, played the Wildcats, <laughs> played us, played yeah. us. Right, sorry, but that's it. And I just, I think you control that quarterback run game. I just don't see a lot there. So. I mean, controlling the quarterback run game is hard. Yeah, <laughs> like we've seen. Yeah, <laughs> no one's no one's been able to crack the code this season. Um, Mitch, how are you feeling about this one, man? I think this is the best, coolest Big Sky game maybe in history, right? College game day is going up there. Yeah. It's so big for not only those schools, but for the conference itself. I really hope that the game is just an awesome football game where the ability and the talent level and the football of the SCF, FCS level and the big sky kind of show out, right? Like we're on the big stage and I really hope that we have some good football to, to show the rest of the country. Um, I kind of hope for the conference sake that Montana state wins and game day has an awesome experience in Bozeman and the Bobcats play at a high, high level and everyone's excited to come back to the big sky. So maybe selfishly for the big sky, I want Montana state to win and college game day to just have an absolute blast where they're in Bozeman. Okay. Mitch picking the home team, the Bobcats. Um, I mean, Hey, I mean, vegan has vegan is a great coach, man. He's a great coach. So it could be done. And the Grizz's backs are against the wall here. So, Simon, what are you thinking, man? You know, Coach Stack a couple, uh, couple oh, months ago he he talked about um, he talked about how he thought that Montana State was at the bottom of the Big Four in the Big Sky, and I disagreed with it at that time, and I'm starting to disagree with it less and less um, after I look at their schedule and then kind of look Soft. at. Some- Right. Soft. It's, soft. it's soft. This team has not been extremely well tested. And even in that game against Weber State, like they were gifted eight points. Gifted like eight points. And, and we lost by five. And we dropped yeah. balls. Like and field position. They were gifted field position yeah, too. Like I'm not sold. Like nope. I talked to a guy that I work with and uh because the company I work with has a factory out in Bo- in Bozeman. So he called me right at the end of the game and he was like, Hey man, everybody's having beers tonight, but nobody's walking away going, yeah, we won that game. <laughs> Cause they didn't. They didn't. And I think, 
The thing with Montana that makes this interesting is they have such a powerful defensive line. And I don't think, you know, the only way that Weber State was able to beat Montana is through Dante McMillan, like literally being able to run through a brick wall that game. Yep. Like that was seriously what it was. I pick, I pick Montana winning this game because I think they match up against that style that Montana State has a little bit better. I, I don't think Montana State's going to be able to figure them out. Okay. What's the weather supposed to be like in Bozeman? Ooh, um, let's take a quick look and see what weather looks like today. Um, I I will guarantee this for game day because I've been up. I went and watched Weber play up at Montana, so I was part of the tailgating. I know it's in Bozeman, but still Montana people. Game day will not be disappointed on Thursday night, Friday night. There will be so much stuff going on. Those people are, they, they can take it next level as far as fun. So that part, I don't know about the game, but I know all the stuff leading up to the game is going to be next level. Like game day has never experienced. So yeah, Montana state was actually one of my very favorite places to play because a lot of big sky schools like, like you go to Sac State, your locker room's half outside. It's almost like a high school stadium. Not Montana State is, is not that way. You know, you have it's 10 minutes from the time you pull in the parking lot to get through the tailgate to get to where the buses drop you off. It is big time football. They're going to be treated like big time football. The crowd is rowdy. They're right on top of you. And it's it's an awesome place to play football. Do you so like that better than playing in the Grizz Stadium, Mitch? Uh, I did. Yeah. Really? I don't know why. Um, yeah. I like playing there. And, and we played my sophomore year, that same year we played in Fargo. Um, I liked Bozeman better. We played in Corvallis and I liked Bozeman better. It just felt a little more intimate, I think. I mean, Montana, they're right on top of you. Yo, and they're, yeah. a little more, they're a little more belligerent yeah. <laughs> in Montana, but uh, yeah. Bozeman was just, it was just fun. And it felt like big time college football. It's the first time I really remember feeling like big time. This is, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They both so got can, great fan bases. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's why they were chosen, right? Is because that they yeah, both yeah. have those big time fan bases. And if there was going to be a game that could showcase the best of the big sky, this was the one. So guys, conditions in Bozeman today, high of 28 degrees, wind five miles an hour. So not necessarily a huge factor. Um, by kickoff, it's going to be a whopping 23 degrees, roughly. So um, yeah, it's not going to be warm. That's for sure. Bundle up. All right, guys. Final pick of the week, Wildcats at Northern Arizona. What are you guys taking? I'm flying the W again on this one. We got... Yep, I, I pick us on this one. Okay, I'm going Wildcats, uh, 38-17. Ooh, Tom. Man, I don't know if I can throw out a score, but I'm I'm going the Wildcats just like I said before, just on the idea of Coach Hill's process, and and I think our guys know the 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 importance of this game. And so that's what I'm, I'm um, going with Weber State. Okay. Well, folks, the picks are in. We'll see how things go today. Um, we'll wrap up the show. Email us, Weber State Weekly. Oh, we better take a look at the upcoming schedule, of course. So there's today. Um, 
1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Wildcats take on Northern Arizona. You can watch that game on ESPN Plus or listen to Steve Klauke on 1031 The Wave. And then tomorrow, Sunday, November 20th, FCS Playoff Selection Show will be at 10.30 a.m. Is that... Oh, man, I should have I checked. I think it's 10.30 a.m. Mountain. It might be 10.30 Eastern. I'll have to double-check that. But uh, that it's going to be on ESPNU. FCS Fans Nation is going to do a live stream next to it. And so if you're not interested in hearing them talk about a bunch of Power 5 football on the FCS Selection Show, <laughs> listen to... FCS Fans Nation, they'll be streaming live on YouTube and um, they'll have a much deeper analysis for you folks because they actually watch FCS football. And then after that, we'll know what's going to happen and where the Wildcats can expect to play, how it's going to look at, so long as they uh, they get through and they make the playoffs, which I think it's, it's pretty sure. I'd say it's like 90%, but you never know how things are going to go. So email us, weberstateweekly.gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and then go to the blog, weberstateweekly.com. Want to thank you, Tom Stackeruck, Tulane, and Simon Mortensen for chatting with me, hanging out, talking a little bit of football today. Wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Wildcats.